not often we can start a newscast with Beyonce, but <laughs> big concert news today. She's coming to Minneapolis. The music icon is bringing her Renaissance World Tour to Huntington Bank Stadium on July 20th. That excitement, though, is being overshadowed by the fact that Ticketmaster will be handling the sales. Charmaine Nero joins us with what those looking to buy tickets should expect. Charmaine. Julian Randy, many Taylor Swift fans remember what it was like just a few months ago, with some saying they spent hours trying to get tickets to her tour. And now Beyonce fans are wondering if the same thing will happen this time around. I have been a Destiny's Child, migrated to Beyonce fan since 1997. Javante Patton is the self-proclaimed leader of the Minneapolis Beehive. That's him singing in the front row at her last concert. I'm just excited that she's finally coming back here. We're early on the tour list. He says her upcoming tour brings back deja vu. I've been to about seven, I think, seven Beyonce concerts. It's going to make eight. But after concerns surrounding Ticketmaster's site crash back in November during a pre-sale event for Taylor Swift Stadium Tour, many fans are left asking, will this happen again when tickets go on sale for Beyonce's Renaissance World Tour? Cybersecurity experts say there are a few things to consider. One is they don't seem to have the infrastructure to handle the demand that uh, Taylor Swift brought to the uh, the, the table. At the same time, they're worried about automated ticket sales where they've got these bots, computers that are attempting to log in. So they, they have to deal with that as well. The U.S. Senate recently held a hearing questioning Ticketmaster's monopoly-like control over venues, artists, and consumers. You have to have competition. With Senator Amy Klobuchar saying ticket fees now average 27 percent of the ticket cost and can climb as high as 75 percent. You cannot do that to us. Beyonce fans don't play fair, so we don't have the opportunity to be trying to buy $2,000 tickets. Congress is asking questions. So it's in their interest, and I, I have to believe their management is saying we have to address this. While fans are getting into formation for the buzz surrounding Beyonce's tour. What I'm looking forward to the most is I'm actually taking my kids this time. So I have three daughters, and they love Beyonce. Patton says he's already counting down. I can't do the wait. I need my tickets today, actually. Now, Senator Klobuchar said she hopes the recent hearing leads to further action. We reached out to Ticketmaster today for an update, but we haven't heard back yet. Back to you. All right. Welcome, everyone, to another great episode of Black Equity Podcast. As you just heard, there's an uproar. And what I noticed, there's a pattern. And whenever there's a pattern, more than likely, I will be pressing record and making an episode. So let's dive into this. On today's episode, we're going to take this news headline of Beyonce's world tour that is partnered with Ticketmaster and put some context around what's really going on under the surface that could create a lack of Black equity. So without further ado, after this short break, Let's get into today's episode. All right. Welcome, everyone, back to Black Equity Podcast. And now, typically what I'll do is break down an entire hearing. But this particular hearing with the Senate was over three hours. So I didn't want to do a three, four-hour episode where we break down every uh, conversation within the Senate. Uh, so hopefully you'll bear with me. I found maybe a 
six, seven minute clip of some of the highlights from the Senate hearing with Ticketmaster and Live Nation. It was January 24th. We're recording this the first week of February. And all these patterns are starting to show up. They just had a Senate hearing about Ticketmaster. We're going to listen in and give our feedback and our analysis from it. And then less than a week and a half later, Beyonce announces a world tour on Ticketmaster. And I'm wondering, is there going to be a repeat situation? And if there is, it gives us an opportunity to look at a $18 billion empire or even higher empire that is possibly about to be broken into pieces. Because right now there's not true black equity in the ticket master space or the ticket of live event space. And so this is quite interesting. And then after we listen to the Senate uh, conversation, we'll see what things are brought up. And then maybe on the back end, we'll do some uh, quick digging in and seeing some other information that we can find. So let's see what happened at the Senate meeting. Once again, this video is only six or seven minutes long. Uh, I may hop in, hop out, depending on what is said. Appreciate all the witnesses being here. And uh, this obviously is a concerning status quo. I, I just want to reflect uh, a couple of years back uh, during the height of the pandemic, we wondered whether any of these venues would, many of these venues would survive, including in my state, uh, in Texas. Uh, and it's, uh, it's great to see that the work that Congress did with Save Our Stages and other support that uh, Senator Klobuchar and I led uh, had a positive impact on preserving many of these, especially smaller venues, and making it possible for many of the small businesses, which Mr. Lawrence, I guess you would qualify as a small business, um, can continue to provide uh, entertainment in these venues. I, I think we, uh, what we've heard today does cry out for some response by Congress, but um, candidly, I'm not sure that uh, the antitrust laws are the best tool in our toolbox, but that's something uh, that we'll be talking more about um, in the near future. Mr. Burke told I'm, I'm intrigued by a couple of your statements. You said that uh, you have an artist first business model. And then you had later said you would never put your interests ahead of theirs. Um, is that your testimony? Yes, Senator, that is the approach of our business. The culturally, we believe that it's all about getting that artist on stage, letting them connect with their fans. And we believe if we support that and consistently act that way, then we will have a long and successful business working with artists um, and providing them services. I guess without the artists, you would not have a business. That's correct, sir. Mr. Lawrence, has that been your experience that um, Live Nation uh, never puts their interests ahead of the artists? and that they have an artist-first business model? I think generally when we show up to play a show, the people that work for Live Nation at the venue absolutely you know, try to be partners to us in putting on the best concert. I think that the places where sometimes maybe you could feel like it's not artist-first is just in the structure of the way some of the deals 
with the artists when you look at the settlement sheet at the end of the night, where uh, which breaks down who gets paid what. Some of those line items where we have no say in setting any of the prices of those things, yet some of them are Live Nation directly setting the price for things that they are paying to other entities that they might own, which directly impacts the profit pool from which the artist's pay is being derived. Those are the moments where I wouldn't say it's not artists first. I mean, who's to say? But like, those are the moments where it feels like we're not truly aligned in our incentives. Well, with for your band to make six bucks out of a forty-two dollar ticket price, yeah, that doesn't feel doesn't great. strike me as artists first. I would agree with that, um, Mr. Berktold. You talked about how many, how few venues that um, Live Nation actually owns, but the truth is that you have these. I think you alluded to this, you have these long-term exclusive rights contracts with uh, many venues that you don't actually own uh, or that you have some sort of partial ownership where you have effective, at least contractual control over those venues. Is that correct? Yeah, Senator, if I could differentiate on the ticketing side and the ticketing contracts as opposed to on the promotion side. So on the promotion side of the business, which Senator Klobuchar was asking about, there are roughly 4,000 venues in the United States. Um, roughly 200 of them we operate, often don't own the underlying business, but operate the buildings. And then we have roughly 40 more uh, buildings with which we have an exclusive promoter relationship. So it's a very, that's a very small portion of the market for venues. So whether or not you actually own the venue, you do have effective influence and maybe in some cases outright control over what the venue charges in terms of the ticket price, correct? In, in roughly 240 buildings or five or 6% of the markets are yes. So we'll hop in right there. And there's a, a famous quote that says, own nothing, but control everything. Now, you can pause this episode if you're listening on Spotify, on Apple, wherever you may be listening. Of course, you can watch this episode on Spotify. And you can just go look at all the business-related podcasts. And a lot of them are telling you, they're telling you the secret to everything is to own it, own it, own it. They talk about how they put up their own money to do stuff and they own it and you're not a real boss unless you own it <laughs> we just found out a hidden wealth secret right there in the middle of a senate hearing live nation doesn't own these buildings no who would want that type of hassle but contractually, they have control of these buildings. And that's all that really matters. Now, how big of a company is Live Nation and Ticketmaster? Now, they've merged. So I'm going to see if there's any old information on Live Nation's revenue. I'm really curious. Live Nation Ticketmaster record earnings come at expense of fans, reporting a 
billion dollar revenue so far in 2022 out, outpacing the previous profitable year by 43 percent well they just came out of a pandemic so that 43 percent may be uh why it's so high right think about this with the merger of Ticketmaster and of live nation they're reporting 12 billion dollars in revenue now how much of that is profit we would have to do some more digging. But essentially, $12 billion is coming through their company somehow, some way. How much of that they keep is all about their expenses and their overhead, right? So we're talking about a $12 billion operation here. And they don't really own most of these buildings. Mm -mm. They control these buildings. And so there's some type of uh, wisdom that we can pick up from this. There are people right now who are putting together shows and putting together their operations and they are running around telling you how, you know, they own this and they own that. And they put up their own money. They did it. They did it on their own. But the real wealth, my friend, the real wealth is in control. And until you hear people start talking about how much they control on a mass scale, that's where the monetary value is. And so I would love for you to write that down. When you're making your moves, sometimes people trip over control to get to the ownership some people have ownership in things they have no control over. So the real wealth is who influences the control. So let's continue and let's see what other things we can pick up in the next two minutes of this video. Mr. Mickelson, um... Why is it so hard for the average consumer to get access to tickets and who benefits from less consumer access? Is it not the artist, I assume? That's a good question, Senator. Um, let's take the Taylor Swift um, uh, fiasco as an example. The fans had to sign up through Verified Fan Bill to even buy a ticket. Uh, Ticketmaster knew that the demand was enormous, uh, bigger, larger than almost any other show. And um, when they set the tickets up for sale, and there's two ways that it's done. Set the tickets so that they are best available, which means that you'll sell more tickets because the fans don't have a choice, or you can do pick a seat where it slows the process down. The process, when it's slowed down, increases the money that Ticketmaster makes because they make money on fees, and as the ticket prices go up due to dynamically priced tickets, Ticketmaster makes more to that. So it's to their advantage to slow the process down and to do pick a seat so that it created the frenzy that drove the prices up, which again, they're getting, Ticketmaster's getting a percentage of that fee. And the higher the ticket price, the higher the fee. So I think that it was driven by 
his uh, the, the corporate bottom line in the Taylor Swift fiasco, Ticketmaster's bottom line. I see my time is up. Thank you. That's just a, a quick snippet of a three-hour hearing. Now, you know me. I will go through the three hours. Actually, I listened to a little bit of it last night. It's it's very alarming, to say the least. So does the story end there? Well, hold on a second. I just heard them say that the fee, the higher the ticket price, the higher the fees. So how much of Ticketmaster's revenue is fee-based? Is from fees. So we're looking it up now. That's the beauty of recording with a laptop in front of you, not having a big production, is we're just having a regular conversation. And I can quickly look up the accurate information, right? Live Nation is the parent company of Ticketmaster. The music giant report revenue was $6.3 million uh, for July through September. While charging fans a fortune in fees. Let's see. There's a whole article on this from Bring Me the News. So somewhere in this article, I have a suspicion that we're going to find out how much of the percentage of their revenue is from ticket fees. So let's see. It comes after record concert attendance over the summer with 44 million ticket holders, 11,000 Live Nation events. The company says attendance on its own venues is up 14%. Now, how much of this is ticket or fees? Live Nation has argued that the practice prevents tickets falling into the hands of resellers and it's going to be able to pass $550 million extra to artists because of dynamic pricing. A ticket to the Foles at Fillmore in Minneapolis on December 1st currently costs $36.50 for a general admission ticket, but it doesn't take into account the $13.25 service fee and $2.14 in tax, which takes the actual price to $50.82. When you pay $125 balcony tickets, the service fee increases to $22.50. A 219 resale ticket on Ticketmaster for the Shania Twain concert at the Excel Energy Center next year carries a service fee of $48.73 and $10 tax, bringing the total to $274. Other fees that can also be levied are ordered, order processing fees and facility fees, the latter of which are levied by some venues. So I'm curious of their profits. Oh, here we go. The portion of fees we keep helps us provide our clients with software, equipment, services, and support to manage your tickets and box office and provide the sales network used by clients to distribute tickets to fans. The company says the remainder when taken with other venues is how we earn a profit. That's where they're, that's where the fees is, the, is their profit. So when I'm telling you that they're a $16 billion company, it's from fees. Now, why would this be an issue? Why is this such a concern? Why is there an episode being built around this? Well, this is really 
in anticipation of what we think here at Black Equity Network, it's a in anticipation of where we think things may go. There's a couple of different options here. First option is there's going to be a regulation on how what percentage of fees you can charge at a venue. A second option, but not necessarily different, doesn't change that the first option could happen, is that Ticketmaster and Live Nation may be broken up. Because the, the issue is, if this company is paid off of fees and there's no competition of where another place where somebody can get those tickets, then they can charge up those fees as high as they want to and make as much profit as they want to. And you know who suffers through that? The consumer. I remember Kevin Hart was coming to uh, North Carolina and he was at a really nice venue. And I thought about it. Actually, this was like, oh, I can't remember. It was something going on. Oh, it was around like NBA All-Star Weekend type of thing. And I said, oh, that would be a nice event to go to. Even if you don't necessarily go to the All-Star game, you did something All-Star related, right? So... The tickets weren't that bad, maybe a hundred bucks or so. But then the fee came in there at like 30, 40 bucks. Now it's all relative. But when you look at the line items and you start seeing all these different fees that were coming in, now the ticket's close to $200. Now, you know, is $200 going to end the world? No, but it's almost the principle of it. I'm paying almost more in fees than I am the actual ticket. And I'll be honest with you, I did not go to that show. Now, I had no idea where we're going to be here with the Taylor Swift and the Beyonce and all this. I had no idea back then that it would lead to this. But there's a monopoly in the ticket space. And the people who are able to solve this problem are going to be able to build their own empire in the ticketing space. There's a big movement about to happen. And when these companies get broken up, whoever can swoop in and help solve this big idea is going to make themselves the third king at the table. What I'm noticing from all of this is the fans suffer. Now, I want to quickly give you a preview of what I think may be going on. I saw on Twitter, and I don't know how accurate this is. I saw on Twitter that people were talking about how they bought Beyonce tickets already. And I was confused. And they also said that Beyonce's tickets were sold out. Beyonce tickets sold out. So this is in real time, y'all. In real time, the very people that say they, oh, here it is, it's sold out on O2 priority. Some of these stupid resellers really take the, take the piss. There are real Beyonce fans trying to secure your tickets. This is three hours ago. So this is what I don't understand. Ticketmaster just had a meeting with the Senate and they were just saying, along with Live Nation, that their fan verified 
helps cut down on resellers. And they also said that nothing will be available unless it's through fan verified. But yet there's already resellers. Here's another tweet. They won't put you out right away, but those Beyonce tickets will be sold out in less than five minutes. So I don't know where these resellers are coming from if you have to be fan verified in order to get the tickets. So what you're going to notice here, I'm going to go ahead and put it on record. This is going to be the very thing. It's going to be the next thing that causes Ticketmaster and Live Nation to break up. As someone who works alongside the M&A space, mergers and acquisitions, one thing you have to be very mindful of in a merger is that you don't dominate the market to the point where it hurts the consumer. This merger is unacceptable to the marketplace. Now, I have another question that comes to mind. I thought Live Nation and Jay-Z had some type, I thought Jay-Z had some type of ownership. Back in 2008, Jay-Z stunned the music world by signing a 10-year, $150 million deal with touring giant Live Nation. I've turned into the Rolling Stones of hip-hop, the rapper said at the time. Jay-Z may have had to find an even loftier comparison for himself. Okay, so maybe that's what it was. I always thought the deal was that Jay-Z owned, let me see, that was a 10-year deal, 2008, so that ended in 2018. Does he own parts of Live Nation? Okay, back, so 2017, Jay-Z has signed a new pack with Live Nation worth $200 million over its decade-long term. Okay, so it's another... Rock Nation is an entertainment agency founded up by Jay-Z in 2008. Yes, we know that. Whoa, 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 whoa. 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 <laughs> Did I just read that correctly? Does Live Nation have ownership in Rock Nation? Is that how it works? So I looked up the word Rock Nation. Actually, I looked up the word Live Nation and Jay-Z ownership. Live Nation, and it says here on Wikipedia, which I have to double check this. Live Nation owns a piece of Rock Nation. I did not, wait, 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 wait. Why does that matter? Someone's saying in the background. Because if Live Nation owns Rock Nation, that's how Rock Nation has access to all the venues. Because we just found out in the Senate hearing that Live Nation has control of all the venues. And if Live Nation owns Rock Nation, then that means Rock Nation has control of all the venues. And if you have control of all the venues, you can dictate the entire game. And that, my friends, is where the power is. So everybody's talking about ownership, ownership, ownership. And it is important to own. But it's also more important, in my opinion, to control. Live Nation has control. And I'm just curious. 
And this is just free flowing, y'all. This is one of those episodes where we have to do a little free work for what may be to come. Is Jay-Z a Live Nation company? Rock Nation, the multifaceted management label publishing company established as a partnership between Jay-Z and Live Nation, was hit with multiple furloughs and pay cuts last month that extend across as much as half the company. Multiple sources confirm a variety. What companies does Jay-Z own? This is something to look at. Now, what does Jay-Z have to do with all this? Well, his wife just did a world tour and she chose Ticketmaster slash Live Nation to do the world tour. Live Nation owns Rock Nation. Rock Nation is founded by Jay-Z. So just me that sees that. That's why we're looking at it for those who are asking. So Live Nation owns Rock Nation. Live Nation Entertainment's artist management arm called Artist Nation is included within its concert division and also includes frontline management in Rock Nation. Live Nation Entertainment owns and operates venues, including House of Blues. The company sells tickets to live events through Ticketmaster. But Ticketmaster and Live Nation have merged. It's a conglomerate. They got the market cornered. Does anyone see that? And it's a brilliant business move. It's very savvy. The entire market is cornered by Rock Nation. That's why people love to work with them is because they know they have access to the entire game by working with them. Live Nation owns Rock Nation. Rock Nation is founded and operated and overseen by Jay-Z. Jay-Z is husband of Beyonce, who just signed a deal, a world tour. Now, how many venues will that be? First of all, how many venues does Live Nation have control over? Live Nation venues control. Well, he said in the thing, like 200-something, right? I think he even said in the in the hearing that it was over 200. In fact, they control 70% of the ticketing live event venues market. This is Live Nation they're talking about here. They control 70% of the ticketing and live event venues market. Due to this market dominance, the Justice Department recently opened an antitrust investigation into whether Live Nation and Ticketmaster have abused their power over the live music industry. We're reaching a place where this has gone too far. They've cornered the market. And as much as people want power and, and to be able to dictate the full game, there comes a point where you've gone past the threshold. And I think we've reached that point. And I think what's going to happen is the Beyonce concert itself, or the world tour, not just one concert, is going to be an eye-opening experience for the entire live event space. 
And that's why people are already saying that it's sold out, even though there's supposed to be a fan verified process that they're supposed to go through that's supposed to help lower all of this. All the, the risk factor of selling out and prices being sky high and everything dealing with what happened with Taylor Swift is all repeating itself less than a week or two after the hearing. Now, my my spotty senses are saying that somebody is going to really profit off of this. I, I, I want to, I have a couple theories, but I'm going to save them. We're going to have a part two of this conversation in the future. But I want you to keep your eyes on this entire story. It's not a coincidence that there is a Senate hearing a week before Beyonce has a world tour through Ticketmaster. It's not a coincidence that Live Nation owns Ticketmaster. It's not a coincidence that Live Nation owns Rock Nation. It's not a coincidence. So I want you to pay close attention because there's going to be some chess moves that are about to happen. We're going to really get to see who controls the live event space. It's going to be a wonderful analysis. I'm going to have my popcorn ready. But until then, I want to thank you for joining us here on Black Equity Podcast. And oh boy, the entire live music industry. Matter of fact, one last question to look up. The live music industry. How big is it? Market outlook, market size. The market size of the concert and event promotion industry is 65 billion. They raking in Live Nation and them is raking in 18 billion or more of the 65. This is going to be quite quite the information for us to find out. We're talking about a $65 billion industry. And most of it, from Live Nation's part, isn't really about ownership. (laughs) So when you hear these gurus tell you own, 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 yeah, part of it is true. But the real truth Live Nation built a almost $20 billion company, if not higher, through control. And now the Senate is stepping in and saying, you have too much control. And we get to watch and see how it all plays out.